Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guests are Dan Baldwin and George Sewell who will be discussing their research with Lindsay Higgins, whose story was the subject of the Netflix series Haunted, and their new book, Paranormal Pendulum 3. Guys, thank you for joining me today, and welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, if you don't mind, can we start with pendulum dowsing? What is it, and how did you get started in it? Well, how I got started with it is an is a interesting story. I, uh, oh, 20 years ago, felt... Uh, out of the blue, uh, uh, a compelling urge to uh, find missing children. It was just out of the blue. Don't know what, where it came from, but it was almost like a command. And I started hanging out with psychics. To uh, I figured that was my best avenue to approach the problem. And one day I found somebody who was doing a pendulum, pendulum dowsing, and I said I can do that. And I picked it up and started, uh, you know, pretty much self-taught. And the basic principle is, uh, you know, the, uh, your your audience is familiar, I'm sure, with the old farmer with the witching stick out looking for the looking for water in the mm-hmm. in the pasture, uh, with the old with the uh, Y shaped witching stick. Uh, the pendulum dowsing is the same principle, except I use a weight on a string, and you ask a question. A swing to the right will be a yes. A swing to the left would be a no. And how it works basically is the weight on the string occupies your conscious mind. So you're looking at that, that frees up your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind is then free to contact, uh, in our case, uh, ETs or spirits. Also uh, the information that is out in the universe. And you, you know, it, basically the information is downloaded into, into your subconscious. Your subconscious controls the muscles in your fingers that makes the, uh, the, the rock on the string swing left or right. Would you say that the part of you that's actually answering the question is your higher self and your body's just a conduit? Exactly. Yeah. The, there's no magic whatsoever in the, in the pendulum. It's, it's a rock on a string. Uh, the magic, so to speak, is your, 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 your subconscious in contact with your higher self. Absolutely. Is there, is there a skill level with it? Like it's if, extremely now. It's extremely easy to learn. You know, uh, I've got a couple of how-to books on it. You can pick it up in in an afternoon. Uh, the only skill is in uh, keeping your mind clear and not forcing the answer because with because it's uh, moved by your finger muscles. You can control the movement of the pendulum. You can make it say yes. You can say make it no. You know, am I going to win the lottery today? Yeah, we. <laughs> you know, uh, so. Uh, and in looking for missing children, it's like, you know, is the five, five-year-old little girl still alive? Yes. So uh, the, the trick to, that you have to master is keeping your mind absolutely clear and, uh, and focused so that you don't force the answer. That's the only hard part. And, and, and like any other skill, the more you do that, uh, the better you become at it. George, are you also a dowser as well? Uh, yeah, having uh, worked with Dan on... Uh getting information for his previous books. Uh, well, heck, I, I need to do this too. <laughs> well, not nearly yeah. as proficient as Dan, but um, have some confidence in uh, the outcomes. Yeah, George is a good dowser. Do you think it's better to be using a pendulum and dowsing than using a medium? Well, we use both for this book. Yeah. Are either one of you mediums? No, absolutely no. not. That's a, well, one good thing about the pendulum dowsing technique is anybody can pick it up. You don't you don't have to have a, you don't have to be a clear audience or, or clairsentient or clear this or clear that or clear the other. Uh, if you can hold a weight on a string, you can you can uh, develop pendulum dowsing skills. And think- it requires no you know no real income to get involved with. You can get a beautiful pendulums for under twenty dollars. 
or it, as, as I have done when I forgot my pendulums before, you can pick up a rock, cut a shoestring, tie them together, you've got a pendulum. Do you think that using a pendulum is better than using a medium? Not, no, no. I mean, no, is two different is, approaches. Yeah, is, is a trumpet better than a cornet? You know, it, right. Yeah, you know, is uh, is an oil painting better than a photograph? It, it just it, they're two two different ways to get to get at the same answer. Uh, what George and I discovered, and I've, I've discovered even in looking for missing children, uh, the more people you involved in the project, generally the better off you get. So uh, we like working with mediums. How successful were you at finding missing children? Uh, I never did a percentage, but uh, pretty good. I've written, I've written a number of books on the subject that outline some of our successes. Uh, I like to tell people that uh, when I'm wrong, looking for a missing person, I am really wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm way off. Um, when I'm cooking, I mean, I'm right, I'm right on it. Do you ever feel like you have to surrender to the technique and just trust the answers? Yes, you have to. Yeah. Yeah, trust the fact that you're, you're getting it. And realize sometimes... You're going to get it wrong. You know, like it's like anything else. Uh, the best piano player in the world is going to hit a sour note every once in a while. It's the same thing with, with pendulum dowsing. So uh, if you're working on, on an important case or, or like the, especially like something like the Lindsay Higgins case, you do multiple sessions over and over and over. You ask the same question in, in different ways at different times of different people. So you, yeah. you, you're constantly double checking yourself. Yeah. With different people holding the pendulum. Yeah. For example, uh, We'd be sitting around the table and you, you're kind of worried, like, you know, is the pendulum looking at the, uh, is the, is the medium looking at the pendulum and waiting for an answer or is then looking at the medium trying to get the answer before he swings it. So, you know, George and I would turn away from each other. We'd be working the pendulum or the, or me and the medium would look away from each other back to back. And George maybe would monitor to make sure that we weren't, uh, I wasn't reading the medium or the medium wasn't reading the pendulum. And uh, our, our accuracy was uh, consistent. So if you're contacting the spirit world using the pendulum, is it still a communication between your higher self and the being in the spiritual world that's still coming through you and you're getting your answers with the pendulum? Yeah. And, and one of the benefits of pendulum dowsing is that you can have extended conversations uh, with the spirit world. As long as the, as long as the spirit is willing uh, to chat, to chat. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to say that. As long as the spirit is willing to chat with you, you can continue the conversation. You're you're not waiting for uh, the hair to raise up on your arm. You're not waiting to feel a cold spell. You're not waiting to get an to get maybe one EVP or maybe a little knock on the wall or something like that. You can actually hold conversations, and I mean legitimate conversations. Uh, George and I've held conversations with the spirits uh, up to up to 20 minutes, I believe. Now, is it possible that negative spirits can be coming through as well and just, you know, causing trouble? I, I'm sure they can. We've never run into that. Never had that problem. Hmm. Never, uh, in all my work, uh, and certainly with the work that George and I have been doing, I, I've never, never encountered a, never, uh, a, a negative influence. I know they're out there, but we haven't bumped into them. It kind of reminded me of like a Ouija board and how sometimes people think that they'll, you know, come in contact with a negative spirit. Well, if they expect to, they probably will. Is it possible that the pendulum could be used for nefarious purposes? Yeah, the, the pendulum is, is, is like a, it's like a brick. I mean, you can build a house or you can bash, bash somebody's head in with it. The, the pendulum itself is neither, you know, neither innocent or, or guilty. It's a tool. Well, let's move into Lindsay Higgins. Can you tell my audience who she is? Lindsay Higgins um, is the daughter of a fairly, fairly well-known uh, restaurant family in Shreveport, the Fertitta family, you may, may recall. And um, much of her life, uh, as it turns out, uh, Lindsay has been experiencing paranormal events uh, the earliest that she remembers, and this is a memory, it's nothing she was told from about two and a half years old, uh, continuing into her adulthood. And in the Netflix series Haunted, season one, 
episode five, uh, they chronicled uh, Lindsay's story and gave a good presentation of her ex experience with some of these paranormal encounters and in particular uh, encounters with what we would call extraterrestrials and um, UFO type craft. Um, Lindsay, like so many people uh, who have these kinds of experience, had no outlet for it. Uh, she couldn't really discuss it with her family or, or <clears throat> were not able to, to, to work with her on some of the things she was describing was happening uh, as she was growing up. And she finally reached a point uh, not too long after she got married that uh, she can't sit on this anymore. It's got to come out. She's, she's got to get this, get this, this pressure relieved. And that's when she happened to listen to a certain podcast that uh, was mentioning a Los Angeles production company that was looking for true stories of lifelong paranormal experiences for a possible Netflix series. And Lindsay said, that's it. That's the way I do this. So she wrote up uh, a concise history of her, her life's experience and sent it off to this production company. And 14 hours later, she gets a call back from the, the producers wanting to set up a formal Skype interview, uh, which was set up for the next day. And at the end of that, she got notification. Oh, yeah, you're going to be included in this. Now, do you know anybody else in Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana, who've had similar experiences or know about these type things? And that's when she asked a friend of hers um, who was somewhat acquainted with her experiences uh, did she know somebody that uh, Lindsay could contact? And I happen to be a friend of this individual. And she said, oh, you need to call George. And she, out of the blue one night, telephone rings. And uh, normally I wouldn't answer because it usually junk calls. But uh, I better take this one. So I did. And it's, uh, hello, is this George Sewell? Uh, yes. Oh, this is Lindsay Higgins. Uh, Joe Bess said I could talk to you. Oh, and what might we talk about? And so for two hours... Uh, I got the Lindsay Higgins story, and um, she went ahead and sent my information to the producers, and they got back with me, and they wanted me to participate in her episode as well. So that's when Lindsay and I first met in person was uh, out near uh, on location in near Los Angeles uh, for the filming of this episode. That's the first time we met face to face, and during this time is when Dan was often in Shreveport. Bossier area, uh, working on material for his uh, Paranormal Pendulum series, and I would be with him in various locations, and it became evident that uh, this pendulum may be the best tool to investigate what the hell is going on with Lindsay, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not aware of that approach being used in other cases, so I introduced Dan to Lindsay and her husband, Tim, and uh, everybody got along very well, and so, okay, Let's use the pendulum as our primary tool and see if we can find out what's going on with Lindsay Higgins. And we spent two and a little over two years uh, researching and the results are paranormal pendulum book three. Now, has she been having alien contact since oh, she yeah. was two or just, you know, contact from the other side? Let's let's we, we include in the book. Uh, the succinct story of her episode when she was two and a half, and I'll summarize it here and Dan can chime in on uh, the investigation part of it. Uh, Lindsay recounted <clears throat> being that young, and at that time, her father, who just loves railroads, uh, had acquired an old railroad station, downtown Shreveport, Central Station, and turned it into a really nice restaurant where the family lived upstairs and the restaurant downstairs. So when the restaurant was active and families downstairs, uh, Lindsay would be in her room upstairs. And, well, it's got windows. She can look outside. It's a nice sunny day. And uh, she would really like to go outside and play. And then some people approaching the restaurant from the outside suddenly see this little two-and-a-half-year-old Lindsay walking around this big balcony. And so they alert the family inside. They rush up. And sure enough, the big window is open and Lindsay's gone out into the balcony. They bring her back in, close the window, try to figure out how the heck that window got open. And well, Lindsay, who opened the window? How did it get open? Uh, my friend Morlock opened it for me so I could go outside. Oh, uh, okay. There's nobody upstairs. Uh, so that was our first acquaintance with uh, 
uh, one of Lindsay's spirit associates or friends, and a clear demonstration that from their side, they can manipulate physical objects. And when Dan was uh, later in town, uh, we were downtown checking on some uh, historic sites. And I said, Dan, let's just go by Central Station. I want to I want to see if anybody's there who may give some information about this story from Lindsay. And sure enough, uh, there were four spirits who presented themselves, one of whom uh, claimed that he was the Morlock that opened the window. Yes, that story was valid. And we asked uh, by chance where his, what his remains in the a nearby Oakland Cemetery, the oldest cemetery in Shreveport. And he said, yes. And we were going to be there later that day and asked, well, would you be willing to show us your final resting place? And he said, yes. And <clears throat> so that's, that's began the hunt. Did you ask Morlock if he knew Lindsay? And if so, what was he doing contacting her? This, this turned into a, uh, a whodunit. <laughs> <laughs> it turned into, yeah, legitimately into a whodunit uh, in, involving not only UFO abductions, but uh, reincarnation. We uh, we went to Oakland Cemetery where we met up with a, we had interviewed a spirit earlier, just kind of off the cuff during our downtime, and we asked to meet him at the cemetery. And we wanted to go, you know, pay our pay our honest, uh, honors to his gravesite. Would you take us to your gravesite? He said, yes. So we showed up that afternoon met with this spirit at the cemetery. He took us to a grave, grave site, rather prominent. And it was not, it was not the grave of the uh, guy we had in, we'd been interviewing with somebody else. At that point, we were literally handed off by one spirit to another spirit. And this spirit took us around the cemetery, again, using pendulum dowsing. Uh, you know, do I go left, right, north, south? You know, yes or no. Do I go 50 feet forward? Yes or no. Do I go 25 feet forward? Yes or no. That sort of thing. And we ended up at the top of the uh, top of the hill in the, in the cemetery at a rather prominent, very old uh, family memorial site uh, for the W.D. Woodworth family. And throughout our research, uh, I'm encapsulating a lot of research here, we determined that uh, it was W.D. Woodworth and two daughters. They are reincarnated as Lindsay Higgins, her sister, and her father in this in this this world, this plane. Mm. And that Morlock was actually a friend of W. D. Woodworth, who was who was basically a spirit assigned to uh, kind of you know look after look after my girl, look after my girl for me. Lindsay's father. <clears throat> when we got into this search, uh, he became very interested because uh, at the time um, he had kind of a, a suspicion that if in fact there was a spirit involved in the opening of a window uh, event, that it was probably a person that he had been acquainted with as a child who was president of one of the railroads and had his office in that building. And he'd had a hunch that that was the person who was Morlock. And it turned out that, yes, uh, that individual was the, the Morlock who opened the window and had been asked by WD to kind of keep an eye on her. Where all these spirits that you were talking to, human spirits, or were there any spirits that were there that were non-human still coming through from another dimension? We had, we had <clears throat> much contact with Pendulum and through our mediums uh, with a key extraterrestrial who was the, if you will, the manager of what was happening to Lindsay. This, this, and this goes back thousands of years. This turned out to be a long-term project that she agreed to participate in. And this individual was, we call him project manager, if you will, very highly evolved spirit, uh, would be considered an extraterrestrial. But when our two mediums uh, were able to get their impression of uh, ET, it was... Uh, Something totally unexpected. And Dan, you want to pick that up with the, the great feelings of Lauren? Yeah, we were doing a session. I see uh, George, myself, uh, Lauren, who was a medium, and a good friend of mine, uh, Dave McMillan, who was uh, very big in radio, uh, but he's also a, a pendulum, pendulum dowser himself. And we were at a park, I believe it's what, Mike Woods Park? Mike is that Woods Park in Bossier. Yeah, and we were doing a session. Just, just investigating, you know, trying to make contact with the spirit world. Uh, and all of a sudden, Lauren, you know, says there basically there's somebody here, somebody highly evolved. You know, it's almost angelic. 
and she was seeing uh, kind of a purple aura. And Laura, Laura and, and I were sitting side by side, and we both at the same time felt an overwhelming uh, sense of love. Lauren called it mother love, but it was uh, extremely strong. It's not something you can fake. It's not something you, you can suggest. It was just an overwhelming, powerful feeling of love beaming you know, at the whole group. And Lauren picked up on it, and then I picked up on it. In fact, if you if you read the transcript of uh, that interview, you, you hear me going, oh, I'm, my goodness, I'm tearing up. It was that powerful. Yeah. Um, towards the end of the session, uh, I did ask E.T., is there any way you can present yourself uh, to us? And that's what led Lauren to, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And at a later date, um, in another session with the other medium, Colleen, uh, I asked specifically of her impressions of E.T. and uh, she was very similar to what Lauren picked up, very highly evolved soul, um, can, does not need a body or a craft to travel, just goes there and then constructs whatever is necessary, but indeed uh, has been associated with Lindsay for a protracted length of time for a specific purpose. And that was not quite what anybody was expecting, but got lots of validation uh, with this individual who we called ET and he said, okay, fine. It doesn't matter what you call me. Um, so that was, uh, that was striking, um, uh, that, uh, what was happening with Lindsay was not accidental. It wasn't, um, uh, I have a problem with the word abduction because that implies some sort of criminal intent. And that's not what was occurring. Uh, there was a lot of discomfort with what she was experiencing, but partially it was because she did not remember uh, what was occurring, and some of the participants uh, were unaware that what they were doing was causing her pain and discomfort. And part of the process uh, was Lindsay reached a point where she could ask that if this is to continue, and it's evident that it will, that it be done without discomfort and pain. And they went, oh, well, of course. And ever since that particular moment, uh, <clears throat> she reports that there have been contacts and uh, visitation, so to speak, but there has been no discomfort whatsoever, other than maybe some some markings on her skin, just to let her know that hey, we were here. What procedures were being done that were causing pain? Lindsay, uh, from an early age forward, always complained of severe abdominal pain, and I think she was nine or ten, and she was hospitalized. And I mean, every test in the battery. Uh, was run to see if they could find some diagnosis for what was causing her this intense distress and nothing. They could come up with nothing. The, the physicians were finally left with, well, her mother's dying of cancer and she's just doing this, you know, for competition and get some attention. And of course that's ludicrous. Um, but it was principally um, abdominal pains. Um, um, the purpose as best we could determine, we again, we didn't go off on many tangents in this investigation. We tried to stay focused on Lindsay because, my gosh, he could have gone so many places. But <clears throat> apparently, uh, 6,000 years ago on a different plane, uh, Lindsay and we'll call him E.T., uh, she agreed to participate in a long-term process. And she was asked to do this specifically because she will reincarnate. So the reincarnation apparently was a necessary component for what was being accomplished. And the end game, as best we could determine, was Lindsay's part of a process that will result in Homo sapiens having an average lifespan of 150 years rather than half that now. And that the sixth sense, the psychic ability, will be greatly enhanced. And when you think about it, that would that would be a pretty interesting planet to be on to have that lifespan, but still have that sixth sense for immediate communication with all others. Uh, so that seems to be uh, where this is going eventually. Did you guys get any sense of what type of ET this was and where it was from? We didn't go into that element so much. We did ask a couple of times if ET was to appear uh, where we could visually see him, what would, what would we see? And it was fairly consistent that uh, <clears throat> we would see what is described in the literature as a Nordic, uh, kind of a tall, uh, light skin, long, kind of blonde hair, large blue eyes. 
but we never we never saw that. We just got that description a couple of times. As far as the location, um, we didn't pursue that. And what uh, the mediums were coming up with is uh, he's everywhere he wants to be. Out of all this communication, what was the most astounding thing that you learned from ET? Yeah, I got a thing on that one. Yeah, <laughs> loaded pretty loaded. astonishing. <laughs> That's a whole nother book. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> not so much what we learned, but I think what we confirmed is uh, something that uh, uh, you've heard of Jacques Vallée. Yes. And he came up with the phrase, it's all connected. And I think we, we have a, a confirmation that it that it is all connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example, we're, we're involved with Lindsay Higgins, which is a uh, UFO uh, abduction case. However, and I'm going to let George finish this up for me, but uh, our involvement, once George and I started working on this case, all of a sudden people started popping into the popping into our, 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 our spirit. Our, our circle. Uh, for example, we had uh, David and Lauren. David was a friend of mine. He was interviewing me on the radio program uh, when I was doing uh, Paranormal Pendulum 2. And Dave said, oh, by the way, I'm married to a medium. Oh, and I, I picked up pendulum dowsing. So maybe, you know, we can help out with you. George was hanging around with a lady by the name of Colleen Laborde, who happens to be a uh, experiential uh, medium. She got involved with it. Uh, George has some other friends and acquaintances that 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 kind of popped in all of a sudden and started being interested in the, our situation. So all of a sudden, George and I had this team of business people, uh, PhDs, uh, paranormal people, pendulum dowsers, all of it all of a sudden out of nowhere working on this same situation. And we discovered that this thing had been stage managed by someone on the uh, on the other side. In fact, there's a chapter in the book called The Stage Manager. And with that, I'm going to let George kind of take over. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were quite a few adventures in this investigation. And um, uh, one of the um, most prominent was um, there was a spirit, apparently, who was influencing all of these individuals and situations to occur in an organized way. And the way that this was presented was at this time, I, w- I would frequently take an early morning walk from my house down to Mike Woods Park, go around the park, come back to the house, three mile walk, usually do it around the dawn or whenever our first wake. And one particular morning in December, uh, got down to the park, the baseball field had a nice frost on it. It's a real, real pretty scene. So I took a picture with my phone, um, posted it on Facebook as seen on this morning stroll. And, Got a number of uh, responses. George, that's a great looking picture, but what's with the blue tennis ball? What? I went and looked at the picture again, and sure enough, um, hovering above the field is a blue orb. Um, And I said, whoa, Uh, well, that's got to be a lens artifact, I mean, from the rising sun or something. Um, Didn't think too much of it, but continued my morning walks for the next several days and then had an idea of, let me just recreate that photograph so i'd go to the same spot get the same frame and just take a picture i don't see anything but uh, lo and behold in the in the picture uh orbs started appearing in various locations various colors various densities and this continued for a good half a dozen walks and said well, wait this is this 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 is no accident uh so i sent them off to dan and said dan um take your pendulum and see if you can make sense of what this is. Something is definitely going on, and I'm not sure what. And Dan did, and he came back with, uh, well, Georgia, the orb is a spirit. Uh, it's a spirit known to you, but not in this lifetime. And, of course, that got my curiosity up because I really haven't done any past life type stuff. So, uh, hmm, where would I might, how would I find out? And then I had this idea I need to look for 19th century American actresses. So I can start searching on the internet and one actress keeps popping up wherever I go, Kate Bateman. So I get my newspapers.com thing out and I go and plow into Kate Bateman, whatnot, and find numerous articles and uh, reviews of her performances. And it ultimately turned out that um, this was the way Kate introduced herself to the project, uh, had a specific session with uh, Colleen, 
to get Colleen's impressions of Kate. And we got just a boatload of information about Kate, her relationship to the team. We all know each other. We've been doing this stuff for thousands of years, that kind of stuff. And um, then we kind of learned that, yeah, she's kind of putting these things together. She put the idea in Lindsay's mind, and now's the time to come out. Um, she saw to it that Lindsay tuned into that particular podcast uh, that she called specifically uh, Joe Beth, knowing that Joe Beth would, you know, referred Lindsay to me. So it, there was just such a, uh, an unfolding. Uh, and it was the work of uh, Kate Bateman. You brought up something interesting that you guys have been working together for thousands of years. And so are that's, you saying you and, presented to Colleen? And are you saying you and Dan have been working together? Do you feel like you guys are in a spirit group reincarnating yeah. over and over again? That's that's what they tell us. Yeah, and it it makes sense. How did you guys get connected in this lifetime? That's all George's fault. <laughs> <laughs> George was from this is go. George and I have known each other since about what 1975. Yeah, sound about right. Yeah, uh, we were young whippersnappers, uh, and George formed a film group called the Scotch and Cinema Society. And the idea was you go sip some very good scotch and you watch some very good uh, top quality movies. And a friend of mine uh, suggested that I call George because I was looking for something to do. I called George on the telephone. And he was forming this society. So I, I joined up. I was one of the first members to join his society. And, you know, we've been stuck together ever since. You can't get rid of me no matter how hard, how hard he tries. I mean, I moved 1,200 miles away and it's, I'm still hanging around. Since the ET is like a project manager, are there any other cases in Northwest Louisiana that have also come available of ET contact? Not that uh, I'm aware of or that we've looked into. I'm sure they're there. They're just, we haven't been connected with uh, the experiencers. Yeah, one of the things about this book is that uh, we had to stay focused, uh, for this book, we had to stay focused completely on the Lindsay story as much as possible. Otherwise, we would, we would still be researching. There's so many tangents we could have followed. Uh, we would still be, we could be researching from now on. So we stayed focused uh, right on Lindsay's story for this book. Is Lindsay still in contact with ET today? Um, I haven't spoken with Lindsay lately about the subject, but not too long ago, um, uh, she did. She did uh, let me know that uh, there was an, a, a visitation the previous night, and she got that from some spots that she had on her arm. Um, of course, her husband's totally oblivious to whatever occurred. And one thing we found out that these these visitations, uh, sometimes they're physical. Whatever's being done, it needs to be physical. But other times, it doesn't have to be physical. It's more astral or spiritual. So uh, visitation may or may not involve a physical event. It may involve uh, something more like in a dreamlike state. So uh, it's very comprehensive, very comprehensive. Did Lindsay ever mention that her eggs were harvested and potentially she has alien hybrid children. There's a chapter in the book where we did explore her suspicion that she uh, had hybrid children and uh, the spirit of her, of her favorite aunt, uh, Aunt Belle, uh, provided a great deal of information. Lindsay was very close to, to Belle when uh, Lindsay was growing up and Belle was informing uh, Lindsay uh, through the pendulum that yes, uh, she did have, uh, I believe, two hybrid children, and um, Lindsay could think back to two episodes of, of, of memories where the procedures that would do that were likely the focus of the event. So there was, there was a little bit of confirmation in her memory uh, that this could have happened, and she suspected it happened, and Bell said, yes, it did happen. Uh, you do have these two hybrid children. You have met them, but you don't remember that you met them, and we're not quite sure what that was about, but uh, it was satisfaction for Lindsay that, okay, my suspicion is true that this is, did happen. I do have two hybrid children. Was she ever taken to an alien base on earth? If she was, she doesn't remember it. And we didn't, we didn't pr proceed in that direction. 
Um, the Netflix, the Netflix uh, episode has a wonderful recreation of a major event that occurred when she was a sophomore in college, and that's uh, basically a massive light comes in through a window into her room where she's staying, literally grabs her and begins pulling her out of the room. She There's a ceiling fan, and she grabs the ceiling fan from above, uh, trying to prevent being moved and then it just snaps and jerks her out and into a very prominent craft uh, that went off to a specific location for whatever the physical work that was going to be done at that time. Um, but that did occur and the Netflix uh, gives a pretty good recreation of uh, that particular event. And uh, Dan and I interviewed uh, Lindsay in, in that house, uh, not that particular room. The room has been since demolished, but the house. And um, every element that is presented in the Netflix thing, uh, yeah, it, it's, I mean, some of the procedures are a little different, but the event is pretty well presented. And it was an actual occurrence, physically remembered. Were the markings on her skin like puncture wounds or, or what did they look like? In the, in the Netflix episode there, they have some illustrations of like geometric shapes, little like uh, blue color, pink color, circles, squares, um, triangles. And that's the way Lindsay describes it. And uh, sometimes she'll have not punctures, but little red spots. And she's interpreting this as there might have been a piece of machinery that was attached, say, to her arm. And those were just the points of contact. But as far as being punctured, they weren't punctures. And these, these would fade. Uh, if, if she woke up in the morning and had the spots on her arm or one of these geometric shapes, it's gone within you know three, four hours. In your communication with E.T., does he have a message for humanity in general? We never got, you know, a, a yeah. special, special, you know, this is a message for all mankind. You know, we never got that. All right. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think the the only thing we can say out of that is that uh, based on the information that this has been an ongoing program for 6,000 years is that there are a lot of different types of entities very involved in improving the status of mankind on planet Earth. And everybody's involved. Spirits, what we would call extraterrestrials. I mean, we're all part of the same process. I guess that's that would be the the message, so to speak, is that life is much grander than most folks would consider. And that grandness makes it a whole lot more fun. Yeah. One, yeah. One interesting thing about Lindsay's case is uh, George and I could have stopped with the typical abduction scenario. I mean, you know, that plays out like, you know, like many of them have ever since Betty and Barney Hill, but continuing research, and particularly continuing research with the pendulum, all of a sudden we we discovered, hey, one day, hey George, you know, we got we got ghosts involved in this thing, and we got angels involved in this thing, and and we got people who are uh, moving moving pieces around the, the the chessboard, and we're some of the we're some of the pieces. There's a lot more going on here, and so you know, the more we researched it, we just we didn't stop at any one particular point. Okay, she's been abducted. That a good story. We kept working, and the more we worked, the more information we got. The more information we got, the more we worked. After all this research on Lindsay and your communication with E.T., did it change your perspective on life at all? And did it change the way you live your life? And if so, how? I wouldn't say, at least in my case, that it's so much changed as it absolutely confirmed. Uh, like Dan and I are having a pendulum session with Lindsay, um, we're talking with Lindsay, getting information at the same time, we're using a pendulum to converse with Lindsay's previous life, uh, where she was Sally, Sally Murph. So we're communicating with two components of Lindsay, uh, one in the physical, one in the spiritual, simultaneously. Um, and that confirmed that yes, indeed, the soul can express in multiple, multiple ways simultaneously, that really broadens uh, just how complex and uh, significant the soul is. Um, another was um, the reality of what we were doing. And by that, I mean, about halfway through the process, I was getting a, uh, well, I'm a natural skeptic, of course, 
Um, just looking at this, this is just almost too easy. I mean, everything just coming together, click, 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 all these people coming in together. Everything is just, I was getting just a little suspicious that uh, uh, we might be influencing what we're doing because we, we try not to do that. Uh, uh, I mean, really. Um, so I got a little, mm, is this really the, what's happening? Is this really the truth? And so the next morning, 7 a.m., I get up, yay, uh, go into my living room, open up the blinds to get ready for the soon-to-rise sun, let the light come in. And across the street, hovering above my neighbor's house, is a 20-foot diameter yellow oranges sphere. And I'm looking at this sucker saying, whoa, wait a minute. And I'm studying it, and I can see the pre-dawn lights of the rising sun in the distance. Uh, below the sphere is the street light, and it's got a light pollution bulb, so it's casting kind of an orangey-yellow light, similar to the color of the sphere. But the circumference of the sphere uh, was not firm. It was like a painter would feather, you know, painting. You know, it, it's, it's kind of shimmering. It's got, a, it's got a little bit of activity to it. And it was just the most fascinating thing. I studied that sucker. And, well, what did George do next? Step outside and look at it. Grab my phone, get a picture of it. No, I went and fed the cats. Made a cup of coffee. Walked back by the window, looked out the window, spear's gone, and then it clicked. Whoa, hello. <laughs> I was given a taste of what in the field is called alien apathy. And that's a term that's used to describe a, a person who's having an encounter or an experience, but the way they react to it is different from what they would expect or someone else would expect. And having had that little taste, I understood now the subtlety of the communication process with ETs and by extension, I suppose, to the other spirits. Uh, later that evening, when I was really just pondering, the, well, I, I wasn't sure all this is real. And this, is, this is in your face. Yes, it's real, George. Uh, but the phrase, uh, to describe the whole encounter uh, came to me, uh, and that was diplomatic reveal. And that's a very precise description of what that event was. Um, so that kind of eliminated any doubt of the, the factual nature of the involvement of extraterrestrials, these other levels of spirits. Uh, it's there in the story. Dan, have you had any contact like that, either with this case or any other case? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I went through the I, I, uh, psychics are some of the most skeptical people in the world because they, they deal with so much falsehood all the time. And I was going through the same thing. You know, this is so damn easy. And so I, uh, are you familiar with Dr. Stephen Greer? Yes. OK, he has a technique of basically making contact with the uh, with the E.T., and I said, I'm going to I'm going to try that. That's one of the things that has come out of this thing. I, I, I can't abide a mystery. I've got to know what's going on. And <clears throat> excuse me, I decided to employ Greer's technique, which is basically meditation, sending out positive friendship messages telepathically and then asking for a show. And uh, I, I go out camping by myself uh, quite a bit and I go way, way out. I'm out in Arizona, New Mexico, Utah. And I'm out way where there's nobody around. I'm not there are no light sources, roads, streets, farms, any any light sources for you know 20, 30, 40 miles. And I practiced the technique. And one time in New Mexico, it's worked five out of five times so far. But once in New Mexico, I was I did my meditation, and I, telepathically I just sent out, "Hey, I love everybody." And then telepathically, "Would you guys please show up?" So I'm sitting there looking to the north, and all of a sudden there's a bright flash about the size of uh, imagine your 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 little fingernail held held out at arm's length, about that size, brilliant brilliant white flash. Uh, two or three seconds later, there's another brilliant white flash, and then two or three seconds later there's a huge arc, brilliant white arc streaking across the sky between the two points, almost like an upside down smiley face. Just you know, brilliant. And in a minute, minute, you know, that that went by. And a minute later, a, a brilliant 
yellow globe just popped into the sky above where that had happened. And it hung there for a couple of minutes. Almost, uh, I felt like it was saying, you got it now? You understand? You see? So yeah, things like that. Uh, it can't be a coincidence when you meditate on something and you ask for something to happen and then something happens over and over and over and over again. So yeah, yeah, stuff is going on. We don't know what, but stuff is going on. Dan, do you have a pendulum there that you can show us? Oh, yeah. It's just a rock on a string. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm manipulating this now, but I can make it go to the right. I can stop it. I can make it go to the left. But when I do my work, I leave it alone and I let the subconscious mind direct it. When you're it, using it, do you ever stop it with the other hand? and then ask the question, or you just hold it still and then ask the question? Normally I hold it still and then I'll ask a question and then I'll, I'll stop and let it swing, let it, let it settle down and then I'll ask the next question. But yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll stop it. it. It just depends. But I do, I do stop the motion between every question. And sometimes you'll, you'll uh, one of the techniques you learn in, in practicing it is sometimes the answer is no, but it'll start out with a yes. And then, you know, if you keep your mind clear, it'll go back to the proper answer, which is no. Hmm. Uh, interesting story uh, about uh, how you can affect the, the, the pendulum. When I'm doing my missing person work, uh, and I learned this the hard way, uh, the most obvious question is, you know, is the missing child still alive because that that's that gives you a whole bunch of information to work with and i always got a yes answer and then you know a week later we would find out that the child you know was deceased and at the time i did the reading the child had been deceased or the missing man or the woman had been deceased i continued doing that for a long time and i would always get the same answer uh is the missing person alive i get a yes and turned out the missing person at the time I asked the question was deceased. And it okay. finally the light, yeah, there he is. Finally the <clears throat> light popped back on in my head. And I realized, you know, life goes beyond the physical body. I believe in life after death. Therefore, I was getting the correct answer. The dead person in spirit was still alive. So I was asking the wrong question. You know, uh, of course, the person is alive because that person has moved on to the next realm. It's only the physical body that we were looking for that is that is dead. So now, uh, when I'm looking for a missing person, I ask the uh, I've modified the question: Is this missing person physically alive? Hmm. And you get much, you know, it, it's you get much more accurate answers because it's all in how you ask the question. You're going to get you're going to get an answer. Make sure you ask the question so that you get the you get the information that you can actually use. Were any other modalities used with your research with Lindsay besides the pendulum and medium, like hypnotherapy or anything else? She did not. Yeah, I'm a clinical uh, uh, a clinical hypnotherapist. I, I can ha li legally hang out a shing shingle for hypno hypnotherapy. I don't. I just wanted to learn the the information. And uh, she did not want to be hypnotized, and we didn't push the issue. Mm. I, I would love to do that, but uh, if something she doesn't want to do and she's uncomfortable, we're not going to go there. Why do you choose using the pendulum over hypnotherapy? For me, the pendulum provides accurate yes or no answers right away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, you have to follow up and do multiple sessions, but there, you know, there's no guesswork with with the pendulum. Uh, in terms of uh, hypnotherapy, I just wanted to learn the technique. I, it's not something that I practice. I mean, I, I could do it in, in a session, but uh, we just don't do it. George, is Lindsay currently employed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very active in her, her family life and uh, activity. So she's, she's a perfectly normal, active young woman. I guess the ET contact doesn't really interfere with her day-to-day -day life then. Um, not really. <clears throat> not really. And what Lindsay uh, was wanting to accomplish when she came out, so to speak, 
was to let other people know who may be in a similar situation that it's okay to talk about it. So she got just buku phone calls and emails and other um, communications from people all across the country who saw the episode on Netflix and uh, were so moved by it that they responded. And so she she has a lot of contacts with, with people who have had similar experiences uh, to reassure them that um, you're not you're not the only one, and there may be a method to the madness, so to speak. Once Lindsay got that pain element of her experience or her contact uh, removed, does she now view the experience overall as positive or negative? Positive, with the perspective that she got uh, participating in this two years. Uh, it wasn't, again, it wasn't an abduction as a criminal act, you know, just walking down the street, you know, they just get you. I, none of that at all. All this is very planned. Uh, it's progressive. Uh, it's a long-term process. Uh, as she put it, uh, well, if I agreed to do it, then by golly, I'm going to do it. I mean, that's, that's her position now that I said I'd do it. Okay, this is what's involved in doing it. All right, let's continue. Let's just take away the pain. And that seems to be the case. All right. If people want to buy the book, do they find it on your websites, on Amazon, or both? It's it's wherever you buy your books. It's on Amazon. It's an ebook. It's in paperback. It's through Barnes and Noble. Uh, yeah, wherever you buy your book, if, yeah. if you don't have it, you can order it. If people want to reach out to you and contact you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, go to the website. You, you got the. You can go to George has websites and I have websites and also my email address is on the websites. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, can you tell us what your websites are? Yeah, okay. mine is, you go ahead, George. Well, for me, it's real simple. Uh, www.georgesewell, S-E-W-E-L-L. -L. Be sure that middle initial is in there. Otherwise, you'll go to a New York fellow. Nice person, I suppose, but mm -hmm. not me. Uh, .com. Yeah, mine, I have a www.danbaldwin.com and www.fournightspress.com, and that's F-O-U-R-K-N-I-G-H-T-S, fournightspress.com. And my email address is baldco at msn.com. That's B-A-L-D-C-O at msn.com. All right, are you guys working on anything else that you want us to know about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing something interesting. Uh, George and I are fascinated. We kept running into uh, Native Americans and their contact with what they call the sky people. And uh, George is over there in the, in the heart of the mound building culture, the uh, ancient Native American mound building culture. I'm out here west in the ancient Native American cliff dwelling cultures. And so we're now conducting research into the Native Americans and the sky people from two very widely different perspectives. And we, we don't know where it's going, but it's going to be interesting. Are you interviewing Native Americans about this? I am actively interviewing deceased Native Americans. I'm, I'm going right to the source. I go to, uh, again, I go, I go way out there. And way out there, there are a lot of cliff dwellings and sacred sites and storage facilities and all kinds of places. And I sit down and conduct an interview uh, like we did with the book uh, with this book i just conduct interviews with the native american spirits who are there and i use my pendulum and i record the session and i just uh, hold a conversation yeah in in the current book paranormal pendulum book three uh, we got the transcript of a session with me and dan at a place called poverty point in northeast louisiana which is a world heritage site a very ancient uh, major trading center and we made contact with a person who lived there 4,000 years ago who was, to use our terms, was a medicine man and was sort of a go-between between, between the population there at Poverty Point and the sky people who would visit from time to time. And the connection that, that's in the book is that Lindsay in a previous incarnation uh, was an apprentice of this medicine man. So that was kind of the connection why we went that direction uh, in this particular book. But that's also a launching pad for what Dan just described is, okay, well, we had more conversations with this individual. And there's some sites in Shreveport and Bossier area that apparently have been 
uh, populated for thousands upon thousands of years. And we're gonna be checking out some of those uh, to, to see what kind of interaction there was with the sky people as they were referred to. And uh, we're gonna see where it goes. Is the Shreveport Bossier area generally a hotbed for paranormal activity? Uh, I'm going to have to say yes. Uh, one thing we did discover was uh, there are at least two uh, portals um, or transit from other dimensions. So one was located uh, very close to the property where Lindsay grew up. And so that explains a lot of her visual sightings of craft as well as uh, individuals. And while we were at Mike Wood Park in Bossier, which it's adjacent to Barksdale Air Force Base at the, the southern end of the runway, and in communication with uh, ET, uh, we were informed that there is a portal over Barksdale uh, that was specifically constructed in the late 19th century uh, so that others could observe and view and get an understanding of uh, homo sapiens who were about to take flight. Uh, so that was what we got as to why that particular portal uh, was constructed at that time. So with all the activity, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, there, there's a lot going on here. And uh, uh, to kind of emphasize that, and in the book, we have a, a story from uh, Lindsay's father, Joe, who told us that back in the 1980s, uh, Lindsay's maternal uncle was in the Air Force. He was stationed at Barksdale. And one evening, uh, the uncle brought his young son out to the Fertitta property. And he pointed up in the sky and said, okay, that's where you look. And then there was what we would call a UFO appear and they're observing it. And then it goes away and the uncle says to his son, okay, now you've seen it, but you can't ever talk about it. Hmm. So um, that gave credence to the portal being at that location and a place where one could access some sort of contact with uh, the whomevers that are going in and out of it. With all of your research, do you guys think that ETs are here for good, or do you think that there are some here for nefarious reasons? You got good people, you got nefarious people. Yeah, so far, the only ones we've come in contact with uh, are very apparent to us, very good people. I'm not saying that there aren't bad people out there, but the ones we've contacted, uh, yeah, are good folks. Yeah, we're not interested in the bad people. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the reasons we, uh, George and I, keep coming into contact with uh, positive, positive beings is we, that, that's what we look for. You know, we're not looking for demonic activity. We're not out there to try to, to be scared or to scare somebody else. Uh, we want information. Uh, we want to talk to people who want to talk to us, whether they're ET people or deceased people or whatever. You know, we go looking for a positive experience. And I think that, that, that pays itself back to us time and time and time again. And they love to talk. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like how you put it earlier that if you're looking for negative entities that's what you're gonna find and if you're looking for the opposite that's what you'll find mm -hmm. well yeah it's like uh if you're if you're going into uh, again i use this this terminology all the time if you're going into a haunted house you're still going into somebody's house or their place of business or a place that was important to them you should show that that space and the people who occupied that space all the respect and courtesy in the world and it, it, it'll it'll come back for you interesting how do you do that if, if I came over to your house, mm -hmm. I would not grab you by the collar and say, tell me what's going on. Yeah. I demand that you tell me what happened here. Now, how would you react? Right. Right. Okay. Now, now let's say, all right, say you're just, you're deceased. It's a hundred years from now. You're deceased. I come over to your house and I've got my pendulum, my crystal ball or whatever, my rim pot or whatever. Tell me what's going on in your house. Tell me what happened. Right. So, how, so would, how would you how would you respond? All right. That makes sense. You you can't go into the space demanding answers. Yeah. You would be the first one to say, get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not... again, if I came over and said, hey, I'm here. Uh, I respect you. I respect your place. I want to I would like to have a conversation. Will you please have a conversation with me? 
what your reaction more, more likely to be. And it sounds like from what you said earlier, most of these beings are happy to talk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, before we finish up, can one of you leave us with one last positive message? Life is a lot more fun than you imagined. That's a great message. Guys, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you both coming on and sharing with me today. And I wish you success in whatever you're doing. Love it. Thank you. Thank you.